0: Hello and welcome to the latest confectionery News podcast. My name is Anthony Myers. In this episode, I talk to Sophie Tranchell, Group CEO of Fairtrade's Divine Chocolate brand. In an interview recorded in December, Sophie talks about some of the changes she has witnessed in the cocoa sector in her 20 years as head of Divine. We also discussed Brexit and its implications on small businesses, along with the role of retailers in promoting sustainable chocolate and EU regulation. Take a listen. Okay, I'd like to start really with... um um, just news this week, you know. Recent research by Kantar confirms Divine Chocolate is a trusted brand brand by younger consumers and is commended for its transparency and respect for the environment. Um, and it's, and of course, its efforts to improve cocoa uh, cocoa farmers' uh, livelihoods. Um, um, I just wondered if you have any. Um, how does that feel uh, to to be recognised uh, at this stage with so many, I guess, um, rival brands? Copying what what you've been doing for the last twenty years.
1: So it's very nice to be recognised. It's always nice to be recognised um, by your peers as well. Um, I th- I think we obviously starting twenty years ago and um, working with the farmers at the heart of what we do. We're a very different sort of business, and we're looking at the problems that everybody's looking at, but from a farmer's perspective as opposed to from our perspective. And so I think that is quite compelling and I think it communicates well with chocolate lovers. So I think the fact that farmers have come over and have actually talked to people, all sorts of people, and have done interviews with uh, newspapers and television, has been quite compelling as a way of getting people to imagine what it's like being a cocoa farmer and what the issues are for cocoa
0: farmers. Okay, and um, Divine Chocolate is very much part of the retail space uh, these days, you, you, you know, you're in Sainsbury's Co-op, uh, you're online, um, i just like your thoughts on, on, there's been a lot of discussion over the last year of, you know, how, how can retailers become a driver for change in terms of promoting sustainability when, uh, when deciding which chocolates to stock on, on their shelves, would you say, what's your relationship with being with retailers? In the past
1: we've had some really good relationships with certain retailers and we've had some quite challenging relationships with retailers. I think that what I've liked about where thing, the direction things have moved in is that people have recognized that the industry and that includes retailers selling chocolate need to come together to address the very urgent issues that are now facing all of us on the planet and so I think that that's great I think it's very difficult then for smaller companies to cut through and I think that the approach that the whole industry is taking and the, the supermarkets is taking is making that increasingly difficult so I, I feel as if if we want a world that has some diversity in it in terms of the offer then part of sustainability needs to recognize that some of the offer needs to come from smaller players It's a different issue to the one you thought you were coming to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I think it's quite an interesting Interesting. issue because what you're seeing is the biggest chocolate players in the world who have dominated the market for the last hundred years, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the biggest um, manufacturers in the world who have joined in that and have become manufacturers of possibly 50% of the world's cocoa are starting to address the issues really seriously which is fantastic news but that is then challenging for small companies who have a much higher cost base and who find it much more difficult to be insulated against things that are happening the result of brexit the referendum vote was to put uh, was was to increase our cost of goods considerably because we buy our, our chocolate from from germany And that's very difficult for a small company to manage, much more difficult than a big company. So that sense of how your conversations with supermarkets go, I think it would be great that they offered smaller companies as much opportunity as big ones, both to promote and to get on shelf. But then I also think they could use their uh, communication and their brands to actually raise the issues among their own customers more, so that they could increase the understanding of their customers. I think there have been some very good examples of where supermarkets have got behind an issue and, uh, and got consumers to understand it. I, I, you know, going on to a different sector, Sainsbury's has really got behind the idea of sustainable fish one of the ways you want to make fish sustainable is get people to eat anything other than the ones they already eat because they're overeating salmon and they're overeating cod. So what else could they eat? Well, the supermarket has a really good role to play in that. And so I think they can do, but I think they really need to apply themselves to it and do it in a consistent way.
0: That's right. I mean, I think they're doing a lot... um with their own brands at the private label and, you know, in that making sure of, I guess it's a, d- a difficult situation for them. They can they, 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 they can they, can, have a little bit of control over what goes into their own private label chocolate, I guess. But then they can't, you know, they can't dictate to other brands, I guess, can they?
1: No, the, but they can prefer them, can't they? They can, they can, can actually they say, we, can. we really like what you're doing, so we're going to put you on the shelf. They can say to other yes. people, the reason we put them on the shelf is because we thought what Absolutely. they were doing was good. Mm-hmm. So there is a way that they can do that. I think the way that supermarkets are structured and the way that chocolate buyers are incentivized is very difficult because that isn't necessarily going to be the thing that delivers the most profit on the shelf immediately. Absolutely. It
0: needs some time to grow. Okay, and Divine uh, is it celebrated its 20th birthday this year. Have, have you been... Uh, involved with the company for all those years? Yes, you, yes, yes. You no, I was here
1: from the... Well, I was the first managing director that was recruited. Uh-huh. I joined the company back in August 99.
0: Right. And what changes have you seen in the sustainability landscape in the cocoa sector, particularly over those last 20 years?
1: There's been an unbelievable changes, hasn't there, really? I mean, we weren't talking about climate change 20 years ago. Um, in fact, when I came to Divine if I asked people where cocoa come from, they sort of looked at me in a strange way. So that sense of um, recognising where cocoa comes from, recognising that it's grown in West Africa and it's grown by very poor people, the whole issue of child labour became something in 2001. And obviously, deforestation is an issue that's that's come to yes. the agenda now. Mm-hmm. What we've been championing for the 20 years is that farmers need to have a higher income, and they need to have a a Share of the value that they're helping to create, which is what we've tried to do with the business model. So the farmers don't only get a guaranteed fair trade price and premium, but they actually also have a fair. They have a share of the profits of a distributing company in the UK. Obviously, we're very small, so that's a very small um, contribution. But actually, if some other companies looked at the share of value that goes to cocoa farmers, might be some of the way of addressing. The income that farmers get. So I think, in terms of sustainability, the landscape's changed enormously. I think the issues around traceability and transparency, yes. which goes with those as part of the way of solving those problems, um, are only in their infancy.
0: <laughs> okay, and on still on that on that subject, um, there's been a couple of important developments. I think of the last uh, week or so. Um, First of all, um, there's been a call, uh, a joint kind of um, statement issued by some of the big chocolate players and uh, NGOs, and I think Fairtrade are involved in this as well, on calling for the EU to impose more regulatory framework um, as regards cocoa coming into the, uh, into the European Union. How, how do you feel about about that? Do you think it's going to help? Um, the situation. Do you think people have got grasped what, what's involved?
1: I think it's great that that the industry is coming together and collaborating. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that both governments from consumer countries and governments from producer companies are at the table as well, because I think that's a really big step towards uh, addressing the very difficult issues that we're having mm-hmm. having to address. I think that. The way that the industry has gone over the last 20 years could be part of the problem too. So I think the issue of consolidation and what that has meant for delivering traceable supply chains and delivering transparency on pricing hasn't helped.
0: Mm.
1: So I think that um, that isn't probably addressed enough in in the statement because I think if you want farmers to have a higher income out of cocoa, clearly it needs to come from somewhere. So either consumers need to pay more or they need to get a fairer share of the total price. And one of the ways to ensure that is to have some more transparency about who's paying what for what. And so I think that would be something that I would like to see added into the documents. I think the idea of traceability in country of origin, which is onerous Mm -hmm. and possibly implausible in some of the ways it's saying, is challenging if you're not going to maintain that traceability right through to the consumer. So through the manufacturing process. The issue of farmer income in the end is the topic issue because nobody would want to do bad things if they had enough money not to. Mm. So if they could pay their wa- pay the wages of anybody who works on their farm well, if they could treat the environment properly, if they didn't need to get more land in order to grow more cocoa and therefore cut down trees, then they wouldn't be doing those things. So I do think that needs to be at at the front of the document.
0: Yes, good point. Um, and, yeah.
1: and I also think there's an issue to do with Brexit. So at the moment, yes. this, this, we'll, this, well, no, a, a, an ex- issue to do with Brexit on this document, because this is an EU policy framework. Absolutely and uh, the onus then is, is about it, when you import products into yes. the EU. So where does Britain sit on this Absolutely. document obviously becomes an in, in, important thing and is a you know, very small example of one of the complexities of Brexit if, if you're not, not inside the
0: EU. Okay, and uh, how is Brexit going to impact on, on your business? You, your cocoa divides cocoa comes uh, is provided by a German supply manufacturer is that right and what what um, what so the, 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 there
1: are a number of ways in which Brexit's impacting all businesses yeah. that are working internationally. Yeah. So um, there is an issue to do with will there be tariffs on on chocolate when it comes from Germany from Europe into Britain and vice versa? So will we have to pay tariffs if mm. we want to put uh, if we want to import into Europe? Which at the moment that has, the, the the situation is that for year one even in a no deal it would be zero. So that uh, gives us some time, but it doesn't give us an assurance. There's an issue to do with the value of our uh, our currency against the euro, euro. and so since the referendum the Mm. value of, of 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 the pound has fallen against the euro and that's obviously not working to our benefit if we're buying from Europe and selling in Britain. And then I think there is an issue of standards. Um, and, and and how um, at the moment obviously they're aligned because we're inside Europe mm. but it, will those standards start mm. to diverge and what will that mean for us being able to sell chocolate in different territories because it's already quite complicated for a small company to be compliant in both the formulation of products and in the labelling to sell into lots of different countries.
0: Right. That's a tough one isn't it really? I mean... <laughs> And who knows
1: how it's going to? It is a tough one, um, and, and, it, and there's a real well. So we, we, we're prepared in that we've we've uh, we, we, we've insulated ourselves as much as possible yes. on currency. We buy forward. We've insulated ourselves in terms of. Um, cost of goods and where how we're warehousing mm-hmm. so we've worked out how to stock up and keep things going. Mm-hmm. We've registered with all the right authorities, um, but the issue to do with standards is, is, is a more complicated one. Our products are nice and simple. We don't have any palm oil, we don't have any soya no. we try and use very simple ingredients mm-hmm. we already, you know, we, we are committed to not using genetic mo- genetically modified ingredients, mm-hmm. whether we're in Europe or not in Europe, so mm-hmm. as a company we would continue to do that
0: mm-hmm. And Divine, as, as, as well as its um, ethical credentials is very much seen as a premium uh, premium chocolate bar, I would say and how, how uh, competition in that area is increasing, says, I think as consumers' tastes um, become more sophisticated. Um, how are you how, how's divine doing it in, in in that in that sphere um, you know as regards your your, your last um, annual report um, sales were up uh, but profits slightly down and um, you know I just wondered what what do you prioritize when you when you when you see figures like that what's what's the main priority for divine?
1: I think divine's already always had multiple priorities so we have to deliver good quality chocolate otherwise we won't be here tomorrow. We have to make it at least affordable for people to be able to buy it, and so that's Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. as well. But uh, but, uh, farmers are always at the heart of everything we do, so we are committed to the work that we do with farmers, and we invest 2% of our turnover, not 2% of our gross profit, in working with farmers. Um, we, we're really pleased that over the last few years, we've won a number of Academy of Chocolate Awards, which I think is you know a nice industry recognition that the quality of our chocolate is really good. And certainly, some of our best-selling lines are very high in cocoa and are things like our dark and raspberry bars, and mm-hmm. so, that, so that we're seeing a good performance in those. We're also getting a very <coughs> nice reception for our new range, which comes from Sao Tome, which mm-hmm. is 85% cocoa plus with flavours in it. And he's coming from Sao Tome, which is a very, you know, a, a distinct and special origin for cocoa, and it's also all organic.
0: Mhm. Oh, and I understand you, you also went through, a, uh, through a little redesign uh, this year, was it last year, with the, the wrapping, the, the, the labels, and particularly one that specifically promotes the empowering of women, the women cocoa farmers, on on the logo. How's, how's that been um, received? Would you say?
1: I think the, the calling out of our commitment to empowering women has gone very well. It is something that we've been committed to right from the beginning. And in fact, Kwapa Koko, the farmers' cooperative in Ghana, mm-hmm. was committed to it when they started back in 1993. Mm-hmm. And so they supported, um, they set up with an intention to empower women and they set quotas at a village level for women's participation on the executive. And when they send delegates to their AGM, they sent one woman and one man. And they now have 35% of their membership is women. And they elected their first woman president in 2010 and their second one in 2014. And she's still the president now because she was re-elected. So they are very committed to women's empowerment. And I think what, what, our, what, what our commitment is, is that women speak to women. And so women eat chocolate and women um, understand the challenges that women face all over the world in terms of looking bringing up their children, getting them educated, having to you know, have money for childcare and, and for um, illness and medicine and education. And so those, those things fall upon women th- ac- across the world and so there's a, a real uh, understanding and appreciation of that among women chocolate lovers and women who are growing cocoa. Uh, But also there is a real sense that if you can empower women cocoa farmers, if you can help them participate more in their organisation and earn more money from from their cocoa, then they will invest it in their communities and their children and education in a way which will help create thriving communities. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually a really good way to start to improve the livelihoods of cocoa farmers generally.
0: Mm. I was going to ask you. I think you just answered the question. You know, what's the biggest achievement you would um, you say from Co- 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 cooper uh, cooperative? But I, I guess you just laid out that. i sort of have. I
1: mean, I think the fact that they they're there twenty five years later Absolutely. is a huge achievement. Mm-hmm. I think the scale that they're operating on is big. They've got more than eighty five thousand members organised in twelve. 147 villages wow. in 58 districts they're producing wow. more than 60,000 tons of cocoa that's wow. more than 1% of the world's really cocoa so this is a it's big a little, organization little yes <laughs> yeah so we're little they're big wow. and the fact that you know fair that's trade has mm. supported them when they were little it's given it's a sort of divine has made them famous mm-hmm. and it has incentivized them to be a cooperative. So one of the benefits of fair trade is that it, it only works with farmers who are organised in a cooperative that's working in a democratic way. Mm. And so fair trade incentivizes that behaviour. Mm. So I think the biggest achievement is that they have proved that it can work, and I think that their commitments to women's empowerment has been part of their success.
0: Mm. Mm. I guess I should have asked you this in the beginning, it's just, it's just occurred to me, but... Uh, I hear a lot of companies, a lot of organisations, a lot of suppliers are seeking the golden chalice of 100% traceability in their supply chains, that's what they're looking for. I guess Divine can say that, can they? Or, but I know it's not that difficult, I know you might have some issues still within your own supply mm. chain, however... However rigorously you mm-hmm. monitor it and, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, but can, can you say that? Can, can Divine say well, that? Well,
1: all of the cocoa that is in Divine is coming from Cocoa, who are right. Fair trade certified, right. and they run a traceability system to all of their farmer members. So that they, and, and so that, I mean, how that works is that a farmer mm. is a member at a village level, they sell their cocoa to the recorder at a village mm, level, yes. that cocoa gets put in a sack, which has a code on it for that village and for Cocoa, and that sack gets gets brought all the way to Europe to get processed. So that is, uh, I mean, I think a very straightforward piece of physical traceability, so can, and yeah. that's the commitment that they've made and that we've required.
0: Right from the beginning. Right so
1: from the beginning. Yes, and so yes, as we've so started yeah. to work with more farmers in more countries, mm-hmm. then we're expecting to do the same level of mm-hmm. physi- you know, physical 20 traceability. 20 years
0: of, experience physical, yes. of of sourcing yes. cocoa from the- in um, just moving on now as well. You, you, the divine, you know, you're, you're pushing into the U.S. and it's divine's been recognised as a, a B Corp company. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that and what that, what that perhaps means for? You know? So,
1: in some respects, what uh, Fairtrade and Organic has done is it's a certification system for products. It's about the ingredients that you use and the way that you put those ingredients together. What B Corp is about is it's a certification for businesses that want to use businesses as a force for good but it's looking at all the ways that they work so it's looking at how they treat their employees at how they treat the environment what their policies are to the environment how they work with their community whether you know what their governance structures are like how their what their approach to diversity inside the organization is like what their commitment is to paying appropriate taxes in in the countries that they operate in and so it's a whole it's looking at the whole company and expecting the whole company to be good and so that you answer a huge amount of questions and then if you get a score of over 80, then you can become a B Corp. And we were delighted to be the part of the first cohort in the UK mm-hmm. and um, that means that we are part of a network of companies that really want to use business as a force for good and are really seriously addressing the challenging issues that we face today, which include things like deforestation and plastic use and is, is there ways that we can come together and collaborate to try and solve some of these questions more quickly than we could do if we were working only separately.
0: Good. And Sophie my final question and it's one that um, uh, if you could have a little think about. You've been here 20 years you've been involved in the company 20 years how would you like to see Divine 20 years on from now and, and possibly the whole cocoa industry? What what great, what changes would you would you want to see maybe with your company and sector-wide as well?
1: Uh, I would like to see Divine um, grow to be a big enough com- company to um, survive and flourish. Mm. I would like it to continue to deliver a range of excellent chocolate products that, from a bigger range of cocoa farmers around the world so that chocolate lovers can really discover a whole world of chocolate through Divine because chocolate tastes different, in different from different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see the chocolate industry as a whole seriously address the issues, but the issues need to include farmer income and share of value. So who's getting the money when you buy a chocolate bar? I think that that, that issue needs mm-hmm. to be seriously on the table. One of the exciting things that we've just started to do, and I think it's part of the solution, is there is a tendency that you find a problem and there's sort of two modes. You either run away from it or you sort of police it And what I think Divine has tried to do is to find creative solutions to problems. And a nice example of that is what we're doing, working with farmers in Sierra Leone. And so the Gola rainforest is one of the last pieces of ancient rainforest in West Africa. And it is a spot of enormous biodiversity. There's 300 species of birds there are pygmy, hippos, there's lots of chimpanzees. And what the farmers are doing, and we're supporting them to do, is, is... cultivate cocoa around the rainforest to create a buffer zone to actually protect the rainforest Mm -hmm. so if they can grow cocoa in the area surrounding the forest and get an income from it and not grow something else like Rice, which would require you to cut down trees and therefore start to corrode the rainforest and the biodiversity within it, then you actually mean that those farmers become guardians of the rainforest. And so I think that sense of what Divine's done at its best is, be, is offer some really positive solutions to the difficult challenges that we're facing. And, and we hope that that will be an example of that and that these farmers can... Um, build their organization and their, their 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 company and can create a great solution that other people can copy
0: Sophie thank you very much for your time good good thank you